1: Welcome back, try from the North, Brave and Bull to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined today by Dallas Hammer, who has no Rams news, but otherwise. Dallas, how's it going?
0: Uh, it's all right. I'm back to sports depression. Uh, a couple months ago, the Anaheim Ducks looked like they were a sure lock for the playoffs. Fast forward to 2022 and the last two months have been awful. And I was burying my head in it with the excite- excitement and with the Rams. And now I'm back to like, oh, yeah, this is what it's like when your sports teams suck. The world is normal again.
1: Okay. Hey, I'm not going to step on the lead because Martin already did that with the title of this episode being uh, Vandal streaking. But we actually had a good week. We'll get to the good week. And the <laughs> person who's going to make sure we get to that good week, Mr. Sunshine Rainbows himself, producer Martin Hot Take Heemstra, holding it down in the 83843. Yep. The question, Mark? Yeah, yeah, I remember Moscow. Martin, how's it going?
2: I'm doing good. It was a good uh, good day for me. My work's a little slow. It was a good Monday after the women's came back and won. But, yeah, it's been a good day for me so far, a good week so far.
1: Good to hear, because we have – weirdly guys i mean we're not going to get lost in where we actually are with the basketball teams but this is maybe an episode produced obviously by our producer martin but it feels like it was written by martin because we have a lot of good news to talk about we've got a men's team looking a lot better as of late women's team looking better as of late we have some football miscellaneous news to get to but first because it does relate to vandal football and vandal athletics we're gonna jump right into around the bar brought to us by Hughes river expedition and the news we're going to talk lead with former university of Idaho head football coach paul petrino is now a former south alabama analyst after i think what felt like six minutes martin told us before show it was six weeks whatever uh you could tell me six he was at south alabama for six minutes or six weeks i don't care which Paul Petrino is now a former South Alabama analyst, and he is now a Central Michigan offensive coordinator, which means Central Michigan is coordinated on the defensive side by a fired Idaho coach, Rob Akey. And because one is never enough, they are now uh, being coordinated on the offensive side by a fired Idaho coach, Paul Petrino. And Dallas, obviously, look, there. there's – a clear takeaway for why this is great news. Yes, um, it's cool that Paul got a, got another job. It's cool that he got a coordinator job. That's you know, a better position than an analyst. They're both G5 positions, but once coordinator, you know why this is good news for Idaho Dallas.
0: Yeah, probably about a hundred thousand reasons why this is good for Idaho. Oh, way more uh, than a hundred thousand. Well, from his analyst salary to to his Coordinator salary. We just added on an extra hundred thousand dollars. We don't have to pay the guy, so that's why we're bringing him up today. uh I know most of us have moved on or have, or have tried to move on, but this is fantastic news. uh anytime the guy you fired goes and gets a, a G five coordinator position and is able to knock out a good chunk of that buyout, you can't be more than happy for the guy. So it's uh, it's awesome to see. Um, I. I'm just hoping that we see uh, you know maybe Dennis Erickson decides to to come back, maybe Nick Holt decides to come back. They're looking for a special teams coordinator over there. Let's make it three for three. Well, Actually, Tom, I don't think
1: direction. Wouldn't Tom Cable be the other most recently fired head coach?
0: Yes, but not the most recent
1: head coach. Right. No, no, but well, the but, streak was clearly fired coaches. No, if you're going to fired coaches, then yes, yeah. we it's time to get Tom Cable to the G five. Fire up chips. Yeah, and to be more specific, uh, Paul Petrino is replacing Kevin Barbe for the offense coordinator last season for Central Michigan. Barbe's salary, base salary, was $154,713, according to USA Today. Now, that, of course, does not include any sort of incentives that may be included in the contract or might not be. But still, for our – for Vandal purposes, every dollar that Paul Petrino makes as a coach elsewhere – is cut out of the payout he's owed from the university of idaho so obviously one hundred fifty-four thousand does not uh take away the entire payout it doesn't take away half the payout but one hundred fifty-four thousand, pretty big pretty nice chunk of change you know that's a that's an assistant coach position here plus you know change or but whatever i don't care what it equates to what i care is that last it's it's been an ongoing story forever and and it will always be an ongoing story for FCS schools that your budget really does matter. It's hard for schools to be able to fire a coach and continue to continue to pay for everything. And we just found 150, I'm going to round up 155,000. We just found that uh, we do not, Idaho does not have to pay out. I don't have anything else to, to chime in on here. Dallas, do you?
0: I mean, I just find it hilarious that, there was a large contingency of this fan base that wanted him gone over the last four years or so. Uh Couldn't get rid of the guy. And now he's gotten two jobs within the span of what, three months, uh, truly impressive work to get two brand new jobs after getting fired from
1: one. So uh props to that guy. I I mean, look, repu- stunned. reputationally as a position coach, like we, we'd had a lot of people message us saying that he was good um, at, a lower level of responsibility, but I am kind of like you. I'm actually done with Paul Trino. I'm here for the money. It's cool for him that he got a job. I care about the money. Hot take before we transition, we're, we have some house cleaning football news we're going to get through before the veggie discuss, before I'm serving you guys veggies, or what some people are calling veggie tales, uh, not trademarked for sure. Uh, hot take anything you want to add to the Paul Trino gets a job and saves us some money?
2: Well, I got nothing to add on this. I'm just Saving the university money. Thank you, Paul.
1: Okay. Well, in the spirit of house cleaning, uh, we have what another item to get to. This is a little bit old. It's around signing day. Uh it relates to an article in the Coeur d'Alene Press. Uh, interview Coach Jason acted with a reporter for the Coeur d'Alene Press, Mark Nelk or Nelke. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. And the reason we're bringing this up is we're going to have a few position discussions at some point throughout between now and the spring game, and then after the spring game and into the start into August. One of the brain dead positions that we can talk about is quarterback, and we're not going to have big quarterback session yet. I want, you know, I want to actually have some practice and I want some actual games, as in like spring game and then, you know, fall practice to take place for us to talk about starters. But we may have some news about uh, a pretty big name that Vandals are going to be aware of that has been a hot topic a few years ago when he wasn't seeing the field, and then the last couple years when he was seeing the field in an interesting kind of way, Zach Borish. Um, we may have some clarity on how Jason Eck plans to use Zach Borish. In the interview with the Coeur Press, honestly, what to me what he said is going to be – it's going to land as pretty promising news because I know that Dallas, you're. I think you're kind of like me of you like seeing Boris on the field. And the last couple of years, the discussion has always been uh, Borish at quarterback or Borish at nothing. Cause that's how he was used by that. That last guy we talked about. But in this article in quarterly Press, uh, I'm going to read Jason X's words on Borish. I think he's a guy we can use some at quarterback, some at receiver, and some at running back. That translates to use him all over the field, meaning if he's not, not a quarterback, he's going to see the ball elsewhere. Dallas, how's that feel to hear?
0: That feels fantastic. Um, I mean, without dumping too hard on the previous coaching staff, I feel like every single person in the dome minus about, 10 people that were paid to be there on the sideline could tell, that kid needs the ball more. He's one of the best athletes on the team. He's he's explosive enough that you have to find a way to get him the ball and do it in more creative ways than just run, I don't know, off the guard and just... Hit the same gap over and over and over for three yards. There, there's a better way to to run the football with Zach Borsch. There's a better way to get him the ball, throw him the ball, let him throw it every once in a while. Like uh, the guys in the comment section are saying, like Tom Kendall saying, can't wait to see what he can do with the coaches that's going to use it, utilizing property. Uh, Taylor Cash, go go gadget Borish, Captain Fifty Eight Borch as our Taysom Hill. I like to say it as the Jerry Lou Jerry Louie McGee role for anybody that remembers him at uh, Montana and. If anybody wasn't following back then, maybe when he was in uh, at Lake City, uh, that that kid was uh, electric. He was the the coaches found a way to put him all over the field, and that's what they need to do with Borish. And it's it's great to hear that Eck is acknowledging publicly, Borish can throw, he can catch, he can run. Let's get him on the field and and use him as a weapon, which is what he's supposed to be. Uh, couldn't be more happy about that. And I do I do have to give it to Taylor Cash. We are all, I think, all on board with go-go gadget, go-go gadget boorish for the foreseeable future. Uh, That is, I I need to get that like tattooed on me or something.
1: Yeah, I was attempting to look it up while you were talking, Dallas, but um, do you remember the UC Davis had a player they used essentially as a utility kind of guy? Can you either filibuster or can you look up a UC Davis box score while I talk really quick? Um, Yeah,
0: I will be looking in the background because I don't remember that kid's name.
1: Look up the UC Davis-Idaho box score. Um, anyway, for we saw Dan Hawkins do this at UC Davis where he had a. I God, we sound like morons now. We don't have the guy's name up. But anyway, they had a Boris type of player who they played at quarterback when it made sense. He also played a receiver. He also got – he also had the ball off to him. That is, it sounds – Trent Tompkins was the their wildcat quarterback. Perfect. Trent Tompkins. He saw the ball all over the place. That's – that sounds like the role that Boris might be moving into. And it also lets us, uh, when we have the quarterback discussion, at least based off this piece of news, there's more news that we might get later. But based off this piece of news, it lets us know that, hey, when we have the quarterback discussion about who may be our starter, because we have like 9,000 quarterbacks on roster, actually eight, if you count Boris, uh, lets us parse out, okay, looks like we have, uh, we, according to act, we've got package for Boris and then he's going to see the ball. He's going to see the ball elsewhere that I think that, I think that's a a welcome development. I also think it's what a lot of people say it's kind of brain dead development based off what we saw last year of Boris is a pretty electric runner. Um, He needs to see the ball other than just being quarterback where we're getting no, no pass plays called at all. So the other team knows exactly what's going to happen Uh, once again, not a ton else to add Dallas. Um, do you want to transition us to our next football news? Absolutely.
0: Uh, so we do have a couple new kids on the program. Uh, we're not sure yet if they're preferred walk-ons or, uh, on scholarship or what, uh, again, things get kind of hazy after signing day. Um, I will speak for hot take Heemster here. Cause he was kind of the one explaining it. He's much more into recruiting than, than either Brian and I are. Uh, usually if a guy, is committing on his Twitter account and not being announced by the university. It's usually a preferred walk-on. So both of these guys might be preferred walk-ons, but we have a couple linemen that have have joined the program. I am explicitly uh, thrilled to have Cooper Carlson on program only because he's 6'4", 296 pounds. You can't teach size. And as a high school senior who I was probably 5'11", a buck 45, uh, 6'4", 296 is breathtaking to me. Um, can't, can't, can't say a thing about how the kid plays. I've never seen, I haven't watched his huddle. We have it up here on the YouTube. Haven't watched the huddle yet, but, uh, you can't teach a kid to be that big. So at, at absolute minimum, he's a huge body to put in the, put in the weight room, put on the team and use his depth.
1: By the things I notice here are first, you know, Cooper Carlson's from Olympia, Washington, Jack Foster from Boise, Idaho hits right in something. Jason Eck talked about in his press conference. He talked about signing day at the event I was at in Coeur d'Alene Martin. I'm guessing Eck referenced uh, recruiting in the Northwest area at the signing day event. You went to in Moscow for the listeners. Martin is shake is nodding, not shaking. Martin is nodding in agreement. Two local guys. Eck talked about trying to win a little bit more local area recruiting battles as that's something that he successfully did at South Dakota State. That's something that Montana schools have done where they recruit guys who look at on paper. You know, they don't have a ton of stars next to their names. they might not be guys going to camps, but they're guys who have the ability to produce if they have time and a program that's going to develop them. Uh, two freshman offensive linemen. That's another thing Eck talked about in his press conference uh, and the event I went to in Coeur d'Alene. The offensive linemen, a lot of the talented guys, they develop, he developed at South Dakota State. I mean, still Glamour's head coach, but Eck helped develop South Dakota State. They were guys who, their freshman year, they were not, F, you know, great FCS contributors at that point. And by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're guys who people look at as, wow, how did that guy not go to an FBS school? This, these two guys might be a great candidate, as in their offensive linemen. Eck has a offensive line background, but I mean, asterisk. We're probably not going to be too dependent on freshmen on the offensive line if this team's going to be good. So we're probably not going to hear – we're probably not going to hear a ton from Jack Foster and Cooper Carlson for a couple of years. But, hey, they're Vandals. I'm glad to have them on. Hot take, anything you want to add to uh, this quick recruitment update?
2: It's just nice to see more offensive linemen. Getting them getting more offensive linemen is always good to have. You can never have enough offensive linemen. And that's all I got to add.
1: That's coming from an offensive lineman himself, guys. So uh, we did a deep dive for that one. Thank you, Martin. And viewers did not. I mean, listeners saw that. Viewers saw the post. Listeners did not. Wildly, guys. Uh, Because we're not going to have bullshit football conversations about nothing. At this point, that's the end of our football talk. But we're going to have to spend a little bit more time talking about basketball. Because we had... We had some developments in basketball, which we will get to right after. We remind everyone that, hey, Around the Bar was brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great, all-inclusive, week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S., located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perstead Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river and fish from the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Which actually, hey, we have one more football thing to get to. I lied, guys. And Martin, this is a curveball. Uh, We did have some big transfer news in the Big Sky that just came up last day or so. People who've been following the Big Sky for a couple years may remember the name Elijah Dotson. He was an all-Big Sky running back in 2019. Sacramento State, he's running back for Sacramento State. Kind of a dual threat, good pass catcher, also just a good rusher. Sac State doesn't play in 2020. They don't play in the spring. Fall 2021, Elijah Dotson, it's unclear what was going on, but the almost all-American level running back was just not really playing for them. He left the – Elijah Dotson left Sac State midseason. Troy Taylor, who doesn't say a ton of the press anyway, um, more or less just – Said he had he supported Elijah Dotson's decision, he, he needed to not play in football right then. Well, Elijah Dotson, former All Big Sky running back, has found a home in surprise, surprise Greeley, Colorado, where Ed McCaffrey. And look, we talked about the news of good lord, what's happening 30 plus guys have left the program. Well, one of the big guys people were concerned about leaving the program, Northern Colorado, was freshman running back Gene Sledge, and they just picked up a recruit who is better than gene sledge in elijah dotson dallas what's your take
0: i'm shocked that somebody would want to transfer to northern colorado uh that is my take uh honestly no this is huge for for those guys um uh, i i don't care at all because i don't care about northern colorado but that guy's gonna go put up and say assuming he gets I, we don't know what what was going on at tax state again uh, like came out of nowhere to When they turned it around, he was, I mean, he was their guy. Um, No idea what happened there, but assuming he can get back to his 20, what, 19 levels of production, uh, you would assume he's going to be a very integral part part of that absolutely terrible Northern Colorado offense. So it'll be interesting to see what happens.
1: And Captain 58 asks any sack State dudes have, have the inside line on that, meaning Dotson transferring out. Dude, this is done in 2019. Captain, I'm going to speak to you directly. I, in researching for, back when we did the episodes on who was going to be the head coach in Idaho, when I got news of potential coaches who we were told had applied or had been interviewed, I contacted beat reporters. For example, I contacted South Dakota State guys pretty early in the process. Did that in Sacramento State when we were told Andy Thompson was potentially an applicant guy who may have been interviewed. And I was told by Sac State Beat Reporter that um, Sac State is so closed-lipped at, with anything they do media-wise, and since they don't get a ton of media attention, it's easy for them to freeze out the media. They're, Troy Taylor is so close with information that he'll tweet out that Sac State has signed a new player, and the sports information director has no idea who the guy is. So we don't have direct lines on Sacramento State. Uh, we can message around to see if we can get any news out, but um, I, I, I have no, not going to make any promises about us getting a lot of news out of Sacramento State. They're in that they're just in a weird situation where because they don't get a ton of media coverage, and because they're in a city like Sacramento, which has you know, an NBA team, and there's other stuff going on Northern Colorado, Northern California. Man, that's a Freudian slip. I don't know what inf- information we're going to find, but we're going to jump jump. Actually, before I, we jump out, my take is, yeah, that's a that's a huge get for Northern Colorado. Um, I have no idea. Well, I do know why. I think people are still going to follow the Ed McCaffrey name, and I think that maybe some guys are going to write off what the reporting was by Jane Jane Adams that we covered, or it's Northern Colorado. It didn't get much attention beyond like us covering it. Maybe he didn't even hear about it, or he just saw. It in a passing way and just dismissed it. And he's actually talking with the coaches who are telling him, Hey, it's not a problem, but look, they still got 30 other spots. They got to fill, but with this one spot, they definitely upgraded. So look, we're going to, Idaho's going to see Northern Colorado next year. So we're going to get to see how Elijah Dotson looks Well, he's in Greeley. And now because racket hit 69, one of our favorite listeners, of course was chastising us because we're, uh, putting off the basketball talk with Northern Colorado talk. We've got to, we have got to jump into basketball because we, um, I mean, we, we had some surprise news in Idaho. Look, we played Montana Thursday. Now, both these games are in Moscow. Played Montana Thursday, Eastern Washington sat- Saturday. And on Thursday, Idaho holds on to be University of Montana 82 to 76. Idaho was led by Yusuf Saleh, who scored 19 points on eight shots, uh, including three of four threes. He he made one of those must've been taken back because initially in the first half, he was four or four from three. So one of those must've been rolled a to, but anyway, scores 19 points on eight shots. Rashad Smith ships in 18 points on five shot attempts, going three for three from three and seven of eight from the free throw line. And, Idaho shoots 60% on the game from three. That's how we hang on against University of Montana, who by the way, University of Montana is a top four team in conference right now. Then Saturday hosting Eastern Washington, Idaho comes back from a 14 point deficit in the first half to win 83 to 80. We're led this time by Rashad Smith, 22 points on eight of 10 shooting. Tanner Christensen adds 18 points. Travante anderson chips in 15 we're going to get to the other guys as well but two big wins for idaho two surprising wins for idaho uh if you extend this back since we lost to idaho state at home we have now beaten Weber state montana and eastern washington consecutively all home games dallas before we go to the bigger takeaway let's get a little narrow first Obviously, something happened different. If we go from Idaho looked pretty bad against Idaho State, then against Weber, we talked about that last week. Of look, Weber didn't take us seriously, and Idaho shot fifty eight percent, and that's a game. What happened in the Montana and Eastern games?
0: I mean, again, they shot the doors off. Uh, that's uh, it, it's what what happens when Idaho shoots over fifty percent from from the field, that's when they have a, a chance to, to win games. Uh, I, if you look at the true shooting percentage, which takes into account your field goal percentage, your three point percentage, your, f- your free throw percentage, Idaho in their last three games put up 68.5% against Weber state, 64.3% against Montana and 63.3% against Eastern Washington. That is, if, if they could sustain those numbers, across the season, they would be the top shooting team in college basketball. So that's not going to happen. But if Idaho goes out there and shoots better than like Gonzaga is second in the nation in true shooting percentage and averages. Uh, uh, oh, I had it up uh 61.8% is their true shooting percentage uh, across the season. South Dakota state, who is actually about to go uh, sweep the entirety of the summit league uh, and obviously got uh, crushed by Idaho they 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 lead the nation in sixty three point six percent true shooting percentage. So that's that's the the narrow focus here. Is this team does have the offensive talent? If the shots are falling, they can hang with with most teams. Uh, again, putting up in, incredible shooting numbers to to go beat two teams that uh, three teams, I guess. That honestly, I did not think there was a single shot after 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 losing both games this year to Idaho State. I did not expect to see this uh, three-game win streak. When was the last time Idaho had a three-game win streak in conference? You're muted, Brian.
1: That'd be the Vic. Thank you. That'd be the Vic Sanders year. I be, believe that's 2017, 2018. So it was a uh, it was a while ago.
0: One other thing I, I quickly want to shout out, Brian, Well, it looks like you're thinking up uh, where you want to take this, I do want to shout out Rashad Smith being named uh, Big Sky Pl- Co-Player of the Week. Uh, you mentioned his stats uh, that first game and the second game, they're just shooting the doors off. Something to to really put it into perspective, in two games, he hit eight threes, was perfect from three, eight for eight, and missed four total shots from the, from the field, from the line, and beyond the arc. He missed four shots in two games absolutely Herculean effort in those two, two games ended up. He's the first guy since Brayon Blake in January of 2018 to be named big sky player of the week for the Vandals. It's been f- over
1: four years since we've had that. Which is surprising to me that, that uh, Trayvon Allen did not snag a player of the week once, although the team is awful. So maybe it's not surprising. A uh, couple things I want to talk about is first, no like nothing's changed defensively so the overall a lot of our overall understanding of this team isn't going to be that different but in both the montana game and the eastern washington game it was not mikey dixon carrying the offensive load he was fine like mikey dixon wasn't terrible montana's pretty good at shutting dixon down in terms of their defensive strategy but in the way Montana collapsed into the paint to try to stop Mikey from getting any looks other guys got looks. And to Mikey's credit, he did not force too many shots against Montana. He was only two for nine for five points against Montana, but we were carried that day. We already talked about Sally and Smith, but Tanner Christensen, another good game, 14.6 rebounds. Trevante Anderson, another solid game, 13.7 rebounds. Then you look at Eastern Washington. And once again, uh, it's it's not to say that Mikey Dixon wasn't instrumental in this game. He scored 13 points on six of 11 shooting. That's fine. But Trevante Anderson, 15 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, Tanner Christensen, 18 points Rashad Smith. Like we talked about 22 points on eight of 10 shooting and Philip Pebble Jr. 10 points on five of five shooting. So first, One thing that is different is other guys are stepping up. And with our posts in particular, it's because Klaus is using them in a little more aggressive way, not necessarily calling a ton of post-ups, but honestly, we're getting to Christensen. If he gets really deep position where he has like a foot inside the restricted area and at his size, that's a great shot every time he gets that. But also he's using our guys on screen and rolls in his rim runners. That's how, that is how uh, Philip Pebble Jr. got just about every one of his points was off screen and roll or running to the rim. And Tanner Christensen got a few of his good looks that way as well. Um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to call this a, a complete turnaround yet because, again, we have six D1 wins right now, six and 18 versus D1 teams. But versus D1 teams, Dallas, Idaho's five and six at home, which relative to a team being six and 18, five and six is a lot better than you would probably guess. And against Eastern, you could hear on the stream, Martin, you were there in person, so you can tell us. 2,200 people showed up to that game, which is, you know, it's like 60-ish percent capacity. It sounded loud. Like, fans were getting into it. This facility is going to be a home court advantage. And, look, it already kind of is with how how the team clearly, like, shooting numbers in our wins. We can talk about that in a second. But five of our six wins come at home. And also, of the wins we have, they're – mostly the most impressive wins that we have of beating South Dakota State, uh, Weber State, Montana, Eastern, and then like uh, was Portland State at home or Portland or SAC State at home. One of the like not big deal wins was at home too. But still, four, four pretty nice wins relative to a team that's 6-18, and 18. Dallas. Does that, that surprise you at all? It actually does. Uh, I'm... I, I...
0: I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to express my feelings towards this team because this is what we were hoping we were going to see when when that South Dakota State upset happened, and it was like, oh, there's there is potential for this team to compete night in and night out. And then we've we suffered through essentially the entire month of January. Uh, I know there was the the wins uh, against Sacramento State and Portland State at the end, but suffered through most of January in a bunch of games that we thought were going to look winnable that weren't. Uh, apparently, Uh, and then that that game against Idaho State, they lost by nine at home. I thought that was it. I, I thought, you know what? Pack it in. Season's over. New coach coming in. Maybe things will turn around. And then all of a sudden, they kind of find their game. Uh, and now part of their game has been hope like hell that the other team is just going to miss a bunch of shots, which certainly helped with Weber starting so cold last week. Um, but then Eastern starts out kicks them in the teeth, they come back and, and pulled it out. I I'm they're peaking at the right time. Uh obviously playing those games at home helped even though they had the stinker against Idaho State. It'll be interesting to see what happens this week against Sacramento State and Northern Colorado, both games that should be winnable. But again, the road record doesn't quite represent the same thing the home record does. So we're gonna see. Um, offensively this team I don't think there's anything to worry about. Um, they've They've obviously had a couple stinkers out there, and we've we've seen what happens when when Mikey can't score. Uh, sometimes the guys just aren't there to to pick up the, the rest of the slack. But uh, if you look at the the offensive ratings uh, just in the conference, Idaho is actually in the middle of the pack, uh, like a mediocre team in the Big Sky offensively, which is great. Uh, you know, they're the defense is just unfortunately still horrendous. As Tom Kendall does point out, the defense seems to have picked up a little bit. Um, but the advanced numbers don't look good on that. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm going to say, Tom, lo- love contributors. Love to hear from you guys. Yeah, defense is not picked up. Uh, against Eastern, we just won surrendering an off- a defensive rating of 117. Uh, before that, Montana was, even though we won, the defensive rating was 108.6. Weber State, it was 108.2. And the game before that we lost uh, to Idaho State was 108.2. The game before that at Southern Utah loss was 105.6. So I would disagree with the defenses coming around. I mostly think that this team, look, to, to win, this team has to have – a they have to blitz teams. They have to – I know like it's brain dead that the team that scores the most has seen the team that wins, but <laughs> it's – this team doesn't win with defense. We have to shoot very, very well. If you look at the field goal percentage for Idaho in our wins, uh, it's pr- it's a pretty pretty clear marker uh, against Weber State as a team. We shot fifty eight point five percent against Portland State. We shot fifty six point nine percent. South Dakota State fifty four point nine percent. Eastern Washington fifty four point four, and Montana fifty two percent. Yeah, uh, wins mostly track field goal percentages for this team. So glad to have the wins, but I like I still wouldn't bet on Idaho doing this at Northern Colorado because if you look at our field goal percentage, like clearly we shoot much better at home, which is cool. We have real home court advantage. Idaho mm-hmm. hasn't felt like they've had that in forever. No. Uh, and two of our final four games are at home, Dallas.
0: I mean, there is a legitimate chance that Idaho goes two and two. Uh, I, I, I don't think they do much better than that, but there is a legitimate chance that Idaho goes two and two uh, over the, the end of the season. And that is a huge turnaround to go. What would that be Uh five and three in the last eight games of the season? That that's a incredible turnaround from where we thought this team was going to be. Um, I I want to quickly point out rack of 69, jumping in, asking Dallas, how do we stack up against the Zags? Well, Chet Holmgren is way bigger and faster than Tanner Christensen is, and he also is second in the nation in true shooting. So, um, I do want to put a little bit of water on this fire here. This team still could not compete with Gonzaga. Um, this team probably couldn't compete with most most of the
1: guys on the bench of Gonzaga. So, but sorry to
0: great rack of tits. I, I apologize.
1: Yeah, the one thing I want to talk about real quick. Now, I I say three and one is absolutely on the table because look I don't if I was betting how Idaho is going to close out the rest of the season Sacramento State is the worst team in the conference I know the game is at Sacramento but the Sacramento State's a team where if any of this is real I don't care that it's a road game Idaho has Idaho has to beat Sacramento State Sacramento State right mm-hmm. now sits at 3 and 13 in conference I mean, look, Idaho's is only at 5-11, and 11, so it's not that different. But to me, Sacramento State, they essentially have two two guys who can score and the rest of the guys don't look that good. When, we, when Idaho played them in one, it was an overtime game earlier in the season. That was one of the games we talked about on the show saying, look, Idaho just looks better than Sacramento State. We have to win this mm-hmm. game. Northern Colorado, uh, I would not bet on us winning in Greeley, But closing out at home versus Portland State and then versus Northern Arizona, those are two teams that are – Bottom half of the big sky, northern Arizona's five and eleven in conference, Portland State's seven and nine. But we already beat Portland State once, so uh, three and one is certainly on the table, and that gives us a favorable spot, spot in the tournament. You'll want to talk about this for a few seconds just because I know is playing for tournament seating. The top five teams we hadn't specified this well enough in earlier episodes. The top five teams in the big sky conference will all receive a bye if the conference season ended today. The top five teams would be Montana State, one seed, Weber State, two, Northern Colorado, three, Southern Utah, four, Montana, five. And then the first team on the outside looking at it buy is Eastern Washington. Now, the reason I, I want to bring this up is Idaho on paper right now would be slated to play Northern Arizona in the Big Sky Conference tournament if that's our first game. And this is going to be the first time in a while. Dallas?
0: I think Idaho would actually be the eighth seed. Correct me if I'm wrong, and we don't have the, all the tiebreakers, but I think Idaho would actually be the eighth seed in that scenario, which is incredible. Anyways. Uh, meaning that's the 8-9 game for anybody that uh, isn't following on the same brain path Thank as and I are. Uh, Idaho would be the higher seed or ex- the lower seed. The You guys know what I mean. Idaho would be the favored team in that situation.
1: Yeah, I don't key. think I don't think we would because we lost Northern Arizona. So so far we have the we have an even record with them in conference and we lost.
0: For some reason, I wasn't thinking that head-to-head record was the first tiebreaker. I was thinking the Big Sky tournament is super weird. This is a discussion for off. This is producing in public Correct. where I'm like, we're going to
1: stop this. This part the conversation. Yeah. So Idaho right now would be playing Northern Arizona, even if we move up or down slightly. Idaho would very likely avoid Eastern Washington the first round. So teams we would be looking at playing potentially right now it's Northern Arizona, but Portland state's on the table and honestly, Idaho state is on the table. Idaho state of course be the worst matchups and be the swept by Idaho state, but this will be the first year in a while that we're not opening with the team in the top half of the conference or right around the middle of the conference where the last few years we have had to play the six seed every time. That means on paper. I mean, if we keep, playing solid I don't think there's a tournament run in this team but there's a first round potential win if we can keep this going if we can keep scoring and if we can start shooting on the road because I don't care if you call it neutral court basically i-commerce tournament is not an iccu which as far as our shooting results is a road game
0: sorry I have no follow-up for that
1: Uh, I got nothing okay We'll use that as our uh, transition point. But yeah, anyway, guys, playing Sacramento State Thursday, that should be a win if this is real. If we're going to call this, if we're going to say this is actual momentum and not Idaho just shooting unbelievably well three games in a row, which it is on the table. This has just been Idaho shooting un- unbelievably well. I don't want to write it off only as that because there's been there's been, look, the half court offense looks much better right now. Like there's movement in the half court that we weren't seeing earlier in the year. So I don't want to write this off as us just shooting well, because there are some practical changes that we've already talked about too, like how we're using our posts. But uh, if, if I is going to call this real momentum, we have to win at Sac state on Thursday. Now it's time to bring in hot take Heemstra because we're going to shift over to the women's team because we have some more news that is not catastrophically awful. Uh, First, we're going to get to the other player of the week. Ido had, uh, but first, Idaho travels to Montana, loses 76 73. Beyonce B leads us with 13 points, 13 rebounds. four Forsyth, 29 points, three rebounds. Cindy Gandy, 15 points, 3, 3, three rebounds, three assists. Saturday, Idaho hosts Eastern, just like the men did. The women played first. Idaho wins 79 to 72. Beyonce B leads us again, 26 points, 11 rebounds. Ashlyn Walls, 14 points. Tiana Johnson, 10 points, five rebounds. And then Monday, a coronavirus makeup game. I believe Martin Montana comes to Idaho. Idaho gets the a sweep in a week. Lena, we did not. No, we lost first game. Idaho gets revenge of, against Montana, holds on to win 70-69. to Beyond Speed, 24 points, seven rebounds, three assists. Allison Kirby, 11 points. Luis Forsyth, 19 points. Martin, after those three games, two big wins and a, a competitive loss. How are you feeling about the women's team now?
2: I'm feeling a lot better than I was after the uh, week that was. Uh, I believe it was Idaho State and Weber State. Was that last week? I believe it was. Sounds about right. They, it was just a hell of a lot better. They, like I was watching. I was at the Montana game too with my dad. Who was visiting for my birthday, and I was watching that game on my phone. And it was very competitive. It could have gone either way, and just at the very end, at the very end, Montana just pulled it out. It was. Back and forth, I believe no team led by more than five in that Montana game at Missoula. So it was, it was a close, competitive one throughout, and it felt like they could hang with anybody. And they think I think Montana this year is playing for a pull, not playoff. Gosh, playing for a playing for a bye week this year by yeah, by this they're, year. It was they're good.
1: number four in conference right now, Martin. Yeah, so sorry, if, I'm, the, if the tournament started today. Montana
2: would have a bye. Yep. Yeah, it was. They're beating their. They're beating teams that are probably going to play in the in the in the conference tournament in the first couple rounds. And it's good to see that they they are doing that. Eastern, it never kind of felt like the game when they were playing at Cheney, where they were kind of just a little back and forth in the first half, pulled away in the end. At least that was the other good thing. I know they also played their played there they played a this sorry i think. what they they played more complete this time and played a more they showed me at least that they can come back when they have the shaky boat moments where it seems like they're losing control they're losing their feels like they're losing they're going to the game's going to slip out of their hands and they're just going to, it's going to go away from them. But they show that they can come back from that. And that Montana game was where it really. Can
1: I, can I jump in real quick? When yeah. you say they, you're saying the Idaho women. Yes, yes. Against Eastern, they showed.
2: Oh, they no, sorry. Played. I am sorry. I'm jumping all over the place. I should have been more specific with that. In the Montana game, that was on the COVID makeup one. Sorry. I should have been more specific with that. They played a, it was a little shaky. I think I had Montana jumped out to a 14, 15 point lead. Coaches, if you're watching this, I'm sorry. I doubted you. I doubted you at all this this came. I actually thought this was the first time you'll hear you'll hear me say this. I thought they weren't going to come back from it. I was ready to concede that they were going to lose by 20, 25 points against Montana, just because of their just because of what I've seen in the past. But hey, they showed they can pull it back, and they beat Mont and they beat Montana at the end, 70 to 69. And it was it was a relief because those final like two minutes of the game were just, if you watch the game back, I don't know if you'll how much courtside they show, but you can just see me in like a nervous kind of rocking back and forth.
1: Yeah, and as a result of those three games, Martin uh, Beyonce B. player of the week in the big sky. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Idaho essentially swept. I mean, Achilles from Eastern was co uh, was co big staff player of the week with Rashad Smith. But, uh, Beyonce B was not sharing the honor. She averaged 21 points, 10.3, 10.3 rebounds uh, while shooting 42.8% and picking up 31 rebounds overall. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a all-Big Sky level player. You know, Rash- Rashad Smith had a really good week. He's not going to shoot 80% the entire season. So, hey, glad he capitalized. Got, glad he got a reward for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beyonce B, she's – look, this is – Some of this is the level we have kind of grown to expect from her because she is – Beyonce is an All-Big Sky level talent.
2: Preseason Conference Player of the Year, if I remember right, too. And not too bad. So,
1: anything – so, Martin, just want to talk to you real quick about conference tournament seating Mm -hmm. Right now, if the season were to end, Idaho would be the – number seven team in the conference which means they would be matching up with weber state five and twelve weber State, i know the season's not over yet idaho's two games out of getting into a buy which means with four games left idaho Idaho could sneak into the top five, but we, Idaho does not control their own destiny. They're going to need a decent amount of help, and they're going to have to win. They're essentially going to have to win out if they want if they have a prayer of having any, any sort of buy. If the season ended today, it would be Weber State. Idaho would be playing. How do you feel about that ma- matchup?
2: I feel good. I know they've beaten Weber State twice this year, and sometimes it's always kind of hard to beat a team a third time in the same season, but I – i would feel more confident against them than i would probably a lot of other teams in the big sky maybe other than portland state but i'd feel most calm i'd feel pretty good against them
1: and idaho closes out the the idaho women have a slightly different schedule than the men because of you know cover makeups yeah they have idaho women's they have the sacramento state game on the 24th just like the men do except this one is in moscow the women have Idaho women have Northern Colorado on Saturday, the 26th. But then on Monday, we Idaho plays Portland state February 28th in Moscow. Then on Thursday play Portland state again. So I know we're moving forward in Wednesday, not Thursday, my bad Wednesday, but Idaho's look, the Idaho women close with a relatively favorable schedule in terms of teams that they're going to be playing win loss record, uh, downside is as far as tournament seating, you would like them to have more games against teams above them, but mm-hmm. Idaho does get to play Northern Arizona and Sacramento State. So we can, Idaho can take a game off the lead. Idaho's two games behind both those teams for a uh, bye in the first round. So we have, Idaho gets a couple, couple teams are going to take a shot at. But uh, are you, how are you feeling about this team in terms of the tournament? I mean, we, I already said with the men. Think the men have maybe a tournament win in them. I wouldn't write it off at this point. I don't think they have two. How do you feel about the women so far uh, as they you know hit their stretch run?
2: I'm feeling pretty good. I know it seems kind of normally I'm after sitting so, like, watching the sitting through like the splash sisters for four years, and then the couple years after they were one and two, I think a four seat in there. It's I'm still feeling pretty good for being a team not outside the. That's not in a bye week. That's not in a bye position right now. I know the last time they weren't in one, they. They didn't make the tournament. That was like, I think the last time John Newley didn't have a bye week was the 2014 15 season. And they finished at the ninth spot in the WAC. And they, in the WAC, big sky when it was just the top eight teams that made it. And hey, next year they won the tournament. But I'm still feeling feeling good about this team going into the tournament. It might not be, it might not be a tournament. It might not win the tournament this year, but I still think they can probably win a game or two, maybe make it to the semifinals and have a good showing there. Okay,
1: You heard it from hot take right here. So before we close the bar on the shortest episode we've had in quite some time, Dallas, cause you've been on the shelf. Uh, you don't have to bring up anything. I'm going to throw it back to you. Any, uh, anything men's or women's we did not hit on that while you've been uh, sitting on the sidelines came back up?
0: I think we should um, just keep this in perspective for everybody. Uh, Brian, does this Idaho men's team, just to circle it back to to our veggies because uh, the world revolves around uh, veggie talk, uh, excuse me, veggie tales, uh, hashtag OnlyFans, Patreon back, dot com backslash tubs of the club. Who stumbled through that one. Tom you're dead to me. Uh but it is you're right it it could be worse you could be a Kings fan and then I would never talk to you again. Um Tom Kendall for anybody uh interested in jumping into the chat has just informed me that he's a Sharks fan and the Sharks are hated rivals of the Ducks. So anyways, uh Brian, is there any chance that we see another year for the current regime of the basketball staff? Do you see that happening with this all of a sudden spike at the end of this, this season that we have not seen in previous years.
1: We are now making this a tradition of talking men's basketball, talking women's basketball and talking men's basketball. Again, we'll, we'll handle this more smoothly someday. And that day is not the day. So should this change how people feel about Idaho basketball looks so a yes and no. Um, Idaho is a preposterously bad defensive team. That is absolutely not changing At all. If you are curious how bad we are, Dallas, the Mendoza line for Oak for a solid defensive outing is uh, a defensive rating of below 100 versus D1 teams. Just take a guess. How many times has Idaho held teams to a defensive rating, D1 teams to a defensive rating below 100?
0: Without looking at the stats, I'm going to say once.
1: Four. It's happened. uh, happened four times the best defensive rating we have is a 94.4 on the season came against cal poly earlier in the year i bring that up because our best defensive outing came in 2021 this team is defensively like the jury is in this team is not getting better defensively they're not going to that's not how they're ever going to be they're not going to win games with their defense they're only going to win games right now if they can have very good offensive outings so has the defensive side of the ball changed? No, it's actually gotten worse since the start of the year. So that's one demerit. Now, in the positive sense, like we said, uh, like I said earlier, the half-court offense is looking better. That's the thing we've talked about throughout the season of when this team can run, they create good looks, they score real well, but half-court is a, had been a dumpster fire. It's starting to look like we have a better strategy on the offensive side of the ball uh, when when the game slows down. So, that's look, that's a point in the direction of Zach Kloss changing in a positive way. And also we talked about earlier in the season, he's radically shifted offensive strategies this season compared to last season that shows a willingness to try something different because you need to, all those are great. But again, I keep in mind, look, we've won these games where two of the last games, look, we shoot 60% on threes against Montana and barely win. Uh, Rashad Smith shoots 80% uh, against Eastern Washington. We shoot, 52% 52% from the field against Eastern Washington. Uh, no, sorry. 54% from the field against Eastern Washington and win by three. 54% is a, prepos- if that's your average, that would be a historically good offensive metric to hit against, Mo- against Weber State We I talked about it, I had to shoot almost 59% to barely win. So got to hold that asterisk of, I look, there's some things on the floor that have changed, but I mean, unless we win out and we're seeing more things develop in a positive way, I don't think it, I don't think people should change their understanding of Zach Klaus right now. Uh, I mean, to give him credit, like we are, we do, Idaho does have a three game winning streak. We did not have that previously. If he closes out winning five out of six or six out of seven, he, Zach Klaus will have the argument that, Hey, the team was getting together at the end of the year. It just took a little more time. Now I would also say I, as a fan and frustrated that it took, two thirds of the year for us to figure out a little bit of a half court offense. So that is not a point in that direction, but overall I would say Vandal stay in the moment, be happy with the wins we have and that we're having fun games, but do not yet turn this into being something more than the three years, uh, body of work we have.
0: I mean, just to put a bow on that, a three game win streak is very nice. Uh, like Brian said, we haven't had one of those in years. Uh, a 3 game win streak is not a reason to be like oh my god we got to keep doing this one one good 10 day stretch does not absolve years
1: that's all i have to say no and people Please. should pay honestly pay attention to in addition to wins losses because look i mean he just has to pick up wins for it to even be a prayer just pay attention to what looks different because that's what that's what the evidence of coaching will be is what is changing from the beginning of the year and look against Eastern Washington, we move the, we're moving the ball pretty well in a way that earlier in the season, we certainly weren't like we've talked about assist numbers being something you can look at for Idaho as evidence of us moving the ball around. Well, Hey, we, uh, we picked up 14 assists against Eastern Washington. You know, that's uh that's pretty solid against Montana. We picked up 13 assists. So, Look, not like world-beating numbers, but much better than some of the numbers we've seen from earlier in the year. So, look, some parts of the offense are certainly getting better, but I again, I, I'm not going to I can't write off that we're we've barely won with Herculean shooting efforts. You know, if, if this were the Vic Sanders 2017-2018 team shooting 59%, you probably win by 25.
0: So, you're telling me that shooting 60% from 3 against Montana is not
1: sustainable? No, and that's what I mean when I say that this team, this team has to win by having huge offensive nights, because just defensively, we already we already covered it. We've had four respectable defensive outings the entire season. Honestly, we have we have four games uh, giving up a defensive rating over 120, which is a very very bad number. Put that reference point. We have as many 120 or higher defensive ratings as we have sub 100 defensive ratings. So not enough, not enough to me has changed, but look, he's got four games to show what else is going to change. have to pick up wins, but please try to pay attention to what looks different and half court offense does look different. We're getting more guys contribute that that is different, but uh, until we get to the end of the season, I'm, I'm not going to say anything should really change.
0: So, uh, you've heard it here first. Brian is out on the class lifetime extension. Uh, that's it. Go Vandals!
1: Well, we're going to call this a night. Thanks everyone for joining. We're gonna throw it to Colby Acuff cuff to play us out. And as always, go Vandals!
0: Go Vandals! Go Vandals!
1: So, raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to Vandals in the crowd All just out there living live in the dream Part
0: of one and only Moscow dream